0: Hello everyone, welcome back and thank you for joining us on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast where every week Jeff Glover and his coaches dive deep into questions that you are asking. They understand the challenges you are facing on a day-to-day basis and still work every day on the front lines of real estate with Jeff and his team closing over 1,000 homes per year. In today's episode, we continue our discussion on the top 25 sources of listings in today's market. Now, let's hear from
1: Jeff. Number 11, ready? Open houses, open houses, number 11 is open houses. Number 12 is investors, investors. And by the way, those investors sometimes come from internet lead sources. Number 13 is going to be sign call slash text for info. You know, the sign riders and, you know, the yard sign. Sign calls, text for info. These are all sources of listings right now. Number 13, 14, whatever. Whatever number you're on. Current client referrals. Current client referrals. Current client referrals. Most of you have, when you have an opportunity to work with a a seller or a buyer, you recognize that their excitement and their enthusiasm about you is at its highest point within the seven days that they sign an agreement with you. It's called the honeymoon phase. Seven days after you take a listing... Seven days after it goes pending, and seven days after it closes. Back in the day, I used to make these calls myself. Now our staff does it for our agents. And it sounds like this. Hi, this is your realtor, Jeff Glover. I just want to let you know your listing is now live on the market. If you check your email, I've sent an email with links to your listing so you can check it out. And by chance, did the sign go up yet? Oh, yeah, the sign sign went up this morning. Oh, awesome. We are well on our way. And as I mentioned during our, appointment, we're, during our appointment, we're always looking to pair buyers with our sellers and sellers with our buyers. So I was wondering, while I have you on the phone, who else do you know that's looking to get in on this great market? Who else do you know that's looking to take advantage of this great market? Their confidence in you is at the all-time peak. That's when you're gonna get them to, you know, it's so funny you mentioned that. I was telling someone at work that we're gonna be selling our home and they want you to reach out to them. Is, is it cool if I give them your number, Jeff? Sure, absolutely. You can give them my number and I can do one better. I'll reach out to them right now. What's the best number to reach them on? Current client referrals, the honeymoon phase. Seven days after you take a listing, seven days after it goes pending, seven days after it closes. I had a situation once, probably about five years ago now, where I had a listing on the market for probably two, three weeks, honeymoon periods over and no, no referrals or anything from them, but by the way, which is fine, they're not always gonna have a referral for you. But I got a call from an agent showing the home, and the agent showing the home said, Jeff, I just wanna make you aware of a situation at your listing, oh gosh, what's going on? Well, we think we let the cat out, and we're right now searching around for it in the yard, and, and we're pretty confident we're gonna be able to get it back in. Okay, Jeff, don't alert your seller yet. We'll let you know if we can't get the cat back in the house. I think that would be appropriate to make sure your seller knows. Okay, no problem. Just let me know. Agent calls me back about 45 minutes later. Hey, Jeff, good news. House is secure. Everything's all set. Cat's back in the house. Thank you. I move on about my day. I get a call from my client maybe 30 minutes after that. Jeff, have you heard anything about the showing today? Of course, you know, they're looking for feedback. Well, you know, I haven't, I haven't gotten the feedback yet from the agent. As soon as I do, I'll make sure you get it, you know, the normal whatever. Okay, but that's not why we're calling, Jeff. What, yeah, what, what, what's up? Well, there's a cat in our house, and we don't own a cat. <laughs> this was a stray cat that was roaming the neighborhood that they got. A, now, you would think the agent would look for, like, the litter box or the food or something like that. Their confidence in you declines as time goes on, so take advantage of the honeymoon phase. <laughs> Next, I wrote down, orphan clients, orphan clients, orphan clients. Now, this is, a, this is one you have to be careful with because for a while, I was known as a pretty aggressive agent in our market. And I learned, you know, to be a little bit more laid back and, and, you know, make sure all of our co-op agents really appreciate the work we do and return their phone calls or have our staff return their calls. But for a while there, I was pretty aggressive. And one of the things that I would do is because I was taught to do this, and there's a way, there's a way to do it that's much safer, and that is when the transaction closes, you're the listing agent. When the transaction closes, you reach out to the buyer, And welcome them to the home and let them know that you've got a direct line to the seller should they need anything now by rule this is actually totally legal there's nothing unethical there's nothing illegal about it and if you wanted to do that you could the problem is you're not gonna make a lot of friends with your co-op agents and then you're gonna have trouble getting your offers accepted so instead what do we do we just direct mail to them we just stay in front of them we just make sure they know that we were the listing agent on the property and we're here anytime they need anything. It's a very softer approach to do so. Because why? Well, listen, and I know some of you say, well, that's kind of not fair. You know, they weren't your clients, Jeff. Listen, this industry turns over 100% almost every five years as it is anyway. So 90% of these transactions are going to be agentless meaning they're not going to have an agent to go back to work with because that agent's going to be gone. Or worse, maybe that agent is in the business and that agent isn't doing anything to add value to that client so they've completely forgot about them. We have a decent amount of these that come back to us. I'd probably say once or twice a month we get a listing through orphan clients because their agent is either out of the business or you'll hear this, and, and you know, Taylor's backstage. She she manages the operations team along with Amanda Purnell and, and Taylor Cornfield, who's back managing things um, you know, at JGA, and they'll say things like, Well, gosh, you guys were so tough on getting our on negotiating our offer. You know, that what we had to do to get this listing, you know, I, I said to Bob that when we go to sell the house, we're hiring this guy because of what we had to do to get your listing. Now, how would they know how to reach me if I didn't stay in front of them? So again, with that particular source, I would not recommend you get aggressive with that because you're going to turn off a lot of agents in your market. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with a direct mail or some type of softer approach. Orphan clients. Next, small to medium-sized builders. Small to medium-sized builders. And sometimes these turn into big developments small to medium-sized builders. We just had a great webinar with Matt Marsupian who was in New Construction before he was selling real estate and of course coaching with us. And he shared the ins and outs of working with New Construction. And so depending on the feedback that we get from that, which we're still paying attention to views and comments and feedback, that might be something that we introduce as a breakout session in Orlando. But what we talked about is your smaller-time builders don't have the budget or, or the wherewithal to manage salespeople. And so you can be the salesperson for a small to a medium-sized builder. And of course, they don't want to alienate all the agents in the market, so they might go out and say, all right, Bob, I'll give you this listing, Johnny, you get this one, you know, Susie, you get this listing. They're spreading the love around because they don't want to alienate anyone in their market. But here's the deal. If they're a small to medium-sized builder, they need a real estate agent, especially for this next market. I used to prospect small to medium-sized builders using this script, and I'm going to give you the script because as the market shifts and they have more inventory, this is buzzworthy enough to keep them on the phone. Hi, this, this is realtor Jeff Glover, and I'm actually calling because I'm an inventory reduction specialist for builders just like you. Hi, this is Realtor Jeff Glover and I'm actually calling because I'm an inventory reduction specialist for builders just like you. Tell me more about that, Jeff. That's all I need them to say. Let's have a conversation. When can I come out and tour your model? I'd like to have a chat with you about what's going on in the market and how to prepare for what's next. Get meetings with small to medium sized builders because they're all freaking out right now. They don't know what's going on. A lot of them have put things on pause. Or they're going back, you know what a lot of them are doing right now, we talked about this in the webinar, they're going back to the drawing board and and figuring out what their costs are and if they're okay taking a lesser margin because they know they're going to have to reduce their prices in this next market. Hi, this is realtor Jeff Glover and I'm actually calling because I'm an inventory reduction specialist for builders just like you. What are you experiencing in the market? Would you be open to a conversation? Just have the conversation with them. Next direct mail, direct mail, direct mail. This is directly mailing to any source of business. Let me make sure I don't have farming on here because I know we do hybrid farming. Okay, good. So this would be direct mail, m- mailing to any source of business, expired for sale by owner, a farm, direct mail, mailing something to their mailbox or getting it at their door through, through you know, FedEx or UPS or something like that. You heard me say yesterday that several organizations, including Nordstrom, they're shifting some of their budgets from social media over to direct mail. Because people are getting inundated with so much stuff online that they're actually paying attention again to the junk mail. And that has been around for decades and that's not going anywhere. Now by the way, please know when I say shifting their budget, I'm not, when we use social media as a tool, we use it as a tool for our database. Yes, we buy some ads on social media. Yes, we pay for leads on social media, which is why it's number 10. Obviously, it's not the greatest return if it's number 10. But when I say social media, please, moving forward, you have to think of it as your database. Direct mail. Next, affiliate referrals. Affiliate referrals. Affiliate referrals. These are people... Who you do business with, these are people who you give business to, lenders, title companies, insurance companies. If you have relationships, they should reciprocate, and most of them do. Next. Cold doors. Cold doors. I don't mean door knocking in December. I mean like cold doors, meaning you haven't met them cold doors. This is going into a neighborhood and being physically on their porch, knocking on their door, letting them know of a new listing or a new sale that took place, or using this method for your hybrid farm. Hybrid farm is reaching out to a neighborhood once per month for 12 months in a row, letting them know of what's going on in the market, letting them know what's been listed, what's been sold. Forget the agents that are sending pumpkin seeds and all this other stuff. You are going to be at their porch sharing with them information of what's going on in the market. You're going to create a better reputation for yourself in that neighborhood than anyone else. And stop going after the luxury neighborhoods. You want the cookie cutter stuff. The luxury clientele, generally speaking, has a lot of real estate agent relationships. Generally speaking, they're not going to appreciate or respect the door knocking as much as someone who is, you know, of an average price point who maybe doesn't have a lot of realtor relationships, or they don't belong to a country club where they're obligated to use a particular individual. My rule of thumb on door knocking is pick your average sales price in your market. Let's just say it's 400,000 for sake of exercise. Average sales price in the market is 400,000. You're gonna door knock somewhere between 250 and 500. That's your range, don't go over it. Return on your time is greater at the average to lower price points than at the higher price points. Plus the turnover is faster. You're looking for a three- to five percent turnover rate of a neighborhood. If you want to know a good neighborhood to door knock, three percent to five percent of the neighborhood turns over every year. So just to use simple math, you have a neighborhood of 200 homes. Three to five percent of 200 homes would be seven to 10 sales per year in that neighborhood. That is a good neighborhood to work. That's all. In fact, forget about the price point thing. If you just want to look at that, now what you're going to find is, damn, Jeff was right about that. The high-end stuff doesn't turn over as fast. The return rate on this neighborhood is only like 1.5%. Out of 200 homes in the neighborhood, there's only like one or two sales per year. You're looking for a 3 to 5% return on anything you do at the door. Hybrid farming, just listed, just sold. Oh, and do me a favor. Those ring doorbells, they can hear you so be careful what you say when you're on the front porch, maybe. All right, next I wrote down, I buyers, Sources of listings, iBuyers. Now, as time goes on, this will actually be a bigger one for us. I will tell you that I'm a little nervous about what's going on in the market. And so iBuyers may pick up, but they're gonna lower in, in, in this next market right now. Let's just say, for sake of exercise, iBuyers, meaning institutional buyers, also known as internet buyers, companies that are coming in and buying homes. I know we have several markets where that's actually like a decent chunk of the market. Some markets across the country, one out of every 10 sales is to an iBuyer. So for those of you that are wondering, well, what's gonna happen in this next market? They're not gonna go away. What's gonna happen is they're gonna buy them at a lower rate, meaning if right now they're willing to pay, say, 88% of a home's value, which is basically what we pay at Upraise, which is our iBuyer that we created, if we're willing to go up to 88% of a home's value, because if you do all the math on that, with our costs and everything, there's still going to be a, about a 3% return to the company, which if you can get them done quickly, 3% of, of $200,000 or $300,000 is a good return, what's going to end up happening is your I-buyers are going to come in and say, yeah, we were buying at 88%, but now we're buying at 84%. Yeah, we were buying at 90%, now we're buying at 85%. So the, Now, the good thing is, for those that don't participate in iBuyers, this is actually a good thing for the industry. Because, they're going, because the, the risk level is going up when there's unstableness in the market, and so then the iBuyers are going to have to pay less for those homes. But you know, in some of these markets, they're buying them net at the same price that you would net them as a listing agent if, if the seller paid a commission. And they're doing that for the future business. They're doing that for the calls and the leads and the title business and the mortgage and everything else that comes along with it. So, those aren't going anywhere. The model and the way they operate will be changing to some degree. And I just gave you an example of what is one thing that will probably change. Next, in terms of where our listings are coming from, relocation business. Relocation business. Now, this one is lower on the list because, quite honestly, I haven't taken a lot of time to get in a relationship with relocation companies. Some of you belong to franchises that have great relationships with reload business. And of course, I hear from agents all the time, yeah, but the, the financials don't make sense, you know. It's, it's like after it's all said and done, I'm netting like 32% on this deal. Moment the commission check becomes more important than the client, you've lost. You don't deserve that deal because you know what? That deal should go to somebody else who's gonna look at that client as a lifelong client. Same thing goes with when we look at our budget as it relates to what we're spending on Realtor.com and Zillow. Now because we operate as a team and half the commissions are going to our agents, our our ROI is substantially lower than maybe a solo agent who's buying leads themselves. When I look at our ROI on our Zillow and our Realtor.com spend, it's a one-to-one. We're happy to get our money back because leads are so expensive today. Now some of you'd say, well Jeff, that's not a smart financial decision. We're not doing it for that deal. We're doing it for the client to service for life, to the, inviting them to our events later, uh, getting current client referrals by calling them and saying, hey, your home's on the market, who else do you know? The past clients that are, when I look at our, our, our board, it's so great to see, we've got several great agents that have been with us for a while. You know, I'll see, you know, Amy Duncan, past client, Zillow, Kelly McHenry, past client, realtor.com, Dave Berenigal, past client, Zillow. Why is that? Well, because these are, these are leads that we spent money on and lost money on or broke even on that are now coming back and now we're actually getting ROI. So when you're looking on, at your ROI and your lead sources, you really need to be looking at a five year span of that. And so people are like, why, why are you not dialing back some of that if one to one that's not very profitable? Because I look at all the future business that we get from it and the referrals that it leads to. So relocation business comes to mind when I think of that because if you get into relationship with real relocation companies you have opportunities to earn business from them and yes they take 40 50 sometimes 60%. Maybe more. But it's worth it cuz you get a client for life. Next, buyer and seller seminars. Buyer and seller seminars. Now, I will tell you, we haven't done a lot with the seller seminars, although I'm seeing a lot of agents start to do them. And I'm going to be real honest. Um, The research that I did on the seller seminars has has, has shown me that there's not many agents having a lot of success with them. Now, it's still early, all right? So some of them that started doing seller seminars, they've only been doing it for a year. And the reason why I'm saying this to you is because I wanted to have a panelist on our stage that is just killing it with seller seminars. And the handful of agents around the country that I know that are boasting about the success that they're having with seller seminars are now reporting back to me and saying, yeah, like the first couple times we had people, but it's just not the same. Now buyer seminars are a different story. So we have a handful of agents through the years that have done buyer seminars, and those buyers of course have sometimes listings to sell, or if they don't have listings to sell and they're just a first time buyer, they'll have a listing to sell later in two or three years when they're ready to move up. So buyer and seller seminars. And by the way, this is just a a favor I'm asking. If you know of someone who is having success with seller seminars, I mean you actually know how many listings they've taken from them, because I will not put anyone on stage until I've verified the facts. I need to know how many listings, how much they're spending, what their ROI has been. Send their information to us at info at GloverU because I want to interview them. Because I do see a potential opportunity in this next market because people are so uneasy about what's about to happen. And so I could see seller seminars being a successful source. I'm being real honest when I tell you I, I haven't done one, so I can't speak to them. I'd love to have a panelist, though, that, that has. So if you know of someone, email us, you. Next, business networking groups. Business networking groups. Business networking groups. So like BNI, LBN, you know, these, they meet at Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Where it's an expectation, you know, you pay $100 for the year and, you know, 20 bucks and you're supposed to go to the, the dinners and whatever. Networking groups business networking groups was that number 24 23 okay good I got more 24 CMA marketing CMA marketing now this one is very low on the list and this has been dropping through the years because today's consumer is not responding as well to now what do I mean by CMA marketing this is like Facebook lead ads or or hey want to know your home's value People are clicking, sure, but they're not quality. They're, they're not leads that are turning into listings. I'm only going to share with you the stuff that actually turns into listings. CMA marketing, the value of the free CMA is declining because sellers can go get this stuff on their own. I mean, they can go to Zillow and figure it out, Redfin, whatever. They can sign up for monthly newsletters. They can get it on their own. It's still a source of listings. And when I say, when, I get, when I'm getting to the 20s, like one to two listings per month are coming from these sources in our business. Still, it's one to two listings a month. Not bad and then finally number 25 number 25 which this one is just starting to take off and i cannot wait to share in a couple of years how this is in the top five or top ten and we look at this one separately for a reason and i'll explain in a second that is our exchange database our exchange database what do i mean by exchange database many of you guys have heard this if you listen to the podcast you've been to our events before Exchange database is all the people that you have great conversations with, it's all the people that you meet at the door and say, I know you're not looking to move anytime soon, but I'm curious, would you be interested if I kept you up to date on what's going on in the neighborhood? And oh, by the way, I see you've got a dog, I've got a dog, oh, you hit it off, right? You're gonna hit it off with certain people at the door or over the phone. And when you hit it off with these people, you gotta put them somewhere. Where do you put them? You put them in your exchange database people with whom i've had great exchanges with whether it's over the phone or in person that's my exchange database and what am i going to do i'm going to start treating them like my past clients in my center of influence i'm going to start mailing to them i'm going to put them on drip campaigns i'm going to invite them to my client events not all of them but some of them the big ones because I want these people that I just created a little simple relationship. This could be from social media. Everyone in this room has people that comment on your stuff or every now and then you chat on on Messenger that maybe you haven't even met yet. Add them to your exchange database. Those people will know you, like you, and trust you, and that's going to be a big source of listings. Now, the reason why it's still low on our list, because we just started one two years ago. Our, Our summit in, I believe it was, 2020, January 2020, uh, in Orlando, we announced this idea of the exchange database and what you do and why it's important and how to add value to them and how to get more business. Well, that was like two years ago. We're at the point now where our exchange database is over 1,000 people in it, and we're adding value to them. We're dripping. We're doing all the emails. We're doing all that other stuff and it will be a big source of listings. I can already tell the the momentum that it has of the people that are showing up at our events regularly, the people that are responding to our emails and thanking us for whatever it is we're sending them. So those are the 25 sources of listings in our business today. Now, when we come back from lunch, and I've got a couple announcements, so don't leave yet, I know everyone's like, rush into the get in line. Okay, I know lunch is gonna move a lot smoother today because they fixed whatever the, the dynamic of the, of the moving line was. When we come back from lunch, I'm actually gonna take our top three, four, five sources depending on how much I have time and I'm gonna dig deep into those. When you look at that list of 25, by the way, I have an assignment for you at lunch, okay? Take a look at that list right now. Don't put your book away, Just we got a few minutes still. Take a look at that list. What I want you to do is I want you to circle the one source that you also get listings from. Just one, just one. The most amount of listings come from this one source. Which one is it? Current clients, past clients, Zillow, for sale by owners, just circle one. One source that you get a lot of listings from or a handful of listings. It doesn't matter how many listings, I just wanna know the source that you get the majority of your listings from. Circle that one now. The second thing I want you to do when you look at that list of 25 is I want you to put a star, put a star next to the one source that you want to go after next. So you're circling the one that you're already doing to some degree and you're putting a star next to the one that you want to go after next and over the course of the next couple, three days here before we're done, I want you to find people that are succeeding with the source that you just starred and I want you to pick their brain. Well, Jeff, how do I do that? Here's how, when you're meeting people in the hall, at the party tonight, during lunch, on the breaks, you're gonna ask, all right, Jeff gave us an assignment. Here's the assignment. What are your top three sources of listings right now? Go. And maybe they'll just give you one and that's fine. What are your top three sources of listings right now? Go. For sale by owner. For sale by owner, I want that to be my number one. Let's grab a coffee. Let's chat at lunch. Find someone in this audience because there's now not just dozens but hundreds of people that have been through all of our programs that are succeeding at a high level who are using some of these sources. So I know it'll be real easy for you to find somebody. So in a moment, we're going to break for lunch and what I want you to do is turn... Two page, let's see, we're on page 12 in the workbook, turn to page 12 in the workbook, and I wanna make sure we're on the same page, literally, with what we're gonna be doing this afternoon. So when we come back, I'm gonna dig deep into several sources of listings, and we're also gonna interview someone that has nailed one source in particular, and we're gonna talk about how that's gonna look, We've got an amazing panel later this afternoon, and of course, we'll have breakout sessions.
0: Thank you for taking time to join Jeff today on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast. The market is changing. Our business plans and strategies need to change along with it. Join the number one producing real estate coach Jeff Glover and the New York Times best-selling author, speaker, and leadership authority John C. Maxwell in Orlando this January for the 2023 Live Unreal Summit and learn everything you need to know and do to thrive through the shifting market. To learn more, visit GloverU.com/summit.